our community has been shaken when you see an act of terrorism like that and it's so close to home, uh, it really is unsettling. And it causes us to ask lots of questions. And one of those questions may be, you know, where, where is the goodness of God in all of this? How do you find God's goodness? Uh, sometimes uh, we go through difficulty and we're like, hey, we, we sing about the goodness of God. We even read about in the scripture the goodness of God, but I don't really see how uh, God's goodness in this situation or how God could bring goodness out of a situation. And so that's what I want to talk about uh, this morning, finding uh, God's goodness. And I want you to take your Bible, I want you to open up with me to Psalm 84. This is where we're going to be today, Psalm uh, 84. You know, earlier this week, I prepared a message for today, and it, it was in the can, so to speak, ready to roll, that's what I call it, is ready to go, sitting there, great on, uh, on Saturday, and then of course, as I watched these things unfold, uh, I began to realize that what I prepared for today was not what I was going to be teaching on uh, today. In fact, something that happened earlier in the week, uh, I had finished my message for today a little early, and I was already starting to think about next week, which like never happens, all right? Uh, and I was thinking, well, you know, because I've got a, we got a retreat going on this week, and I'm going to be short on time, so I thought, you know, this would be a good time to kind of get ahead of it. And so I started saying, Lord, you know, what, what should I teach on for next week? And God kept bringing Psalm 84 to my mind. So I literally stopped and spent a couple of hours just <clears throat> studying over, praying over, thinking over Psalm 84, and then after that, I thought, you know, I don't really think this is for this next week. I don't really know why I'm in Psalm 84, and I just kind of pushed it over the side and went on and worked on something else. But last night, about 10 o'clock, I realized why God had me in Psalm 84. And that's because he knew what we needed this morning. And so uh, here we are in Psalm 84. And... Um, you know, when you, when you want to learn about prayer, you go to the Psalms. Many places in the scripture teach us what to pray. When Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he taught them what to pray. But when you want to know how to pray, you go to the Psalms. And the reason why is because the Psalms are a book of prayers. And here is David and the other psalm writers, and they're in all these different circumstances, the highs and the lows of life, the tragedies, the, the difficulties, the doubting seasons of life, they're in all of it. And, and in every psalm, it's a prayer to God in that particular season. And Psalm 84 is a special prayer to God. It's a prayer about how to find the goodness of God even when life is not what you had hoped it would be. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century uh, pastor, preacher, he, he called this psalm the sweetest of psalms. In fact, he gave it a nickname. He called it the pearl of the psalms. He said, there are so many great psalms, but this is the sweetest. This is the pearl of the psalms. And really, in this psalm, as we get into it, you're going to understand that the psalm writer is, is longing to be in Jerusalem. He's longing to be in the temple. And he is looking forward. That's where he wants to be. 
He wants to be in the temple, but he can't be there. We're not really sure why. We don't, we don't know the circumstances of what kept him from going to the temple, but his heart is in the temple. His heart is in Jerusalem, but he can't be there. He's not where he wants to be. And you may be able to relate to that. Maybe this morning you're not really where you want to be in life. Life has not turned out the way you thought it would turn out, and you're not where you want to be. Maybe some of you, you're in a, you're in a place of grief, and you're in a season of grief, or maybe you're in a season of change, and you don't like change. Change is a four-letter word to you, right? You don't like it, right? But you're in a season of change anyway. Maybe you're in a season of disappointment, or uncertainty, or sickness, or alone. Whatever the situation is, um, Listen, you can find the goodness of God even when you're in a place that you don't want to be. And that's what this psalm is about. He's reminding himself how to get back to the goodness of God. And I think now more than ever, we need to remind ourselves this morning how to get back and how to find the goodness of God. So let's look at it with me. Psalm 84, beginning at verse 1. Uh, Look at it. This is the word of God. Uh, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house who praise you continually. Now stop right there. If you look at this psalm, you'll notice that there are, there's a word selah that appears in two different places in the psalm, all right? It's found at the end of verse 4, and it's found at the end of verse 8. Do you see that? If you were to just take a pen and draw a line under verse 4, and then take, an, uh, take your pen and draw a line under verse 8, what you find is that word selah literally breaks it up into three different sections. The word selah means to pause, to reflect, to think about. So really, this this instruction to stop and to pause really breaks this psalm out into three sections, which is really nice for a three-point sermon, amen? All right, there's a preaching 101 right there. And so he's breaking this point out. And so the first section is all about the goodness of God's presence. It's about the goodness of God's presence. Presence. Look at look at what he says. He says, uh, "How how lovely uh, are you? I, I yearn. My, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God." I mean, this language, right? I I how lovely. I, I yearn. I, my heart cries out. I mean, this is this is like love letter language, right? Something your boyfriend wrote you in you know in college or something like that. It may be something that you wrote to somebody that you're far away from them, and yet your heart wants to be with them, and so you want to be with them, and you're writing this. This is how this psalm writer speaks to God. So God, I, my heart yearns for you. I want to be there with you. I want to experience your nearness. In fact, he goes on to say how jealous he is of the birds. He goes, man, even the birds, they, they get to build a nest in your temple. <laughs> right? I mean, they, there's a nest probably up on a column somewhere. They get to be close to you. I want to be close to you. In verse 4, he says, uh, 
He says, happy or blessed are those who reside in your house. Look at it. Who continually praise you. He remembers going to the temple. And he remembers praising God. He remembers all the people there. And he remembers the, the grandeur of it and the size of it and, and the worship and the presence of God and the prayers and the sacrifices and, and how rich and full it was and, and how great it was to be in God's presence. And he goes, I just wish I was there with you. You may have felt that a little bit of this uh, when we went through this COVID situation where, remember when we were shut down, we we're shut down for several months and we could not gather. And so we were watching online and online is great, but it's not like being here, right? It's not being with each other. And I, and I can remember uh, the first time we gathered back after we had been gone for several months and, and we sang together and I heard your voices singing and I couldn't stop the tears from flowing because I just missed being here. If you felt that, then you're, you're feeling a little bit about what this psalm writer is saying. I want to I be with you, God. I want to be in your house. I want to be with your people. But I want you to keep in mind here that the temple was the place in his mind, the psalm writer, in his mind where God lived. It's where God existed. It's where, if, if you want to be close to God, you got to be in the temple. Worship always happened at the temple. That's why all the synagogues always were directed toward the temple in Jerusalem. It still is the case today. They're always facing the temple of Jerusalem because at the temple is where God is. You can learn about God in a sanctuary, a synagogue, but you can't, you can't worship God and be with God unless you're at the temple. The temple is, is where God is. And so he felt far from God because he was far from the temple. But here, I, I've got some really good news for you. You don't have to be in a building to be close to God. That's really good news. Listen, you can be close to God no matter where you are. No matter what situation you're in. No matter where you physically are. That you do not have to be in a place uh, to be close to God. You know, the Old Testament, they felt like that the presence of God was at the temple and that's where he was worshipped. In the Holy of Holies, that's where God's presence was. But in the New Testament, we learn that God came to us. God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. When we could not get to God, God came to us. When we could not reach God, God reached down to us. And that's the whole point of the incarnation. Remember, we just celebrated that at Christmas time, right? Just a few weeks ago. Remember what the angel said to Joseph? He said he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Finally, God has come to us. In John chapter 1, it talks about Jesus being the Word of God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And, and, and he created all things. And then it says in John 1 chapter, uh, verse 14, that he came to us. And the Word of God tabernacled. Literally, it means he dwelt among us. He set up a tent among us. He, he tabernacled among us. And we saw him full of grace and glory. Jesus came to us. God came to us. Not only did Jesus come to us, 
but he died on a cross for us and he reconciled us to the Father through his shed blood on the cross and he made it possible for us to be those who are far from God to be right with God and to be reconciled with God and when Jesus ascended up to heaven he sent his Holy Spirit and this is mind-blowing just hold on to your seat for this one he said my spirit's going to come dwell within you that is why, check this out in 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says that you, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's not that he lives in that temple over there in Jerusalem. Uh, you're the temple. And he dwells within you by his spirit. So do you understand uh, the joy of that? That you can never, if you're in Christ, if you know Jesus, you can never be separated from his presence. And in that sense, every place is a holy place. You can be close to God when you're in a hospital room. You can be close to God when you're in an apartment by yourself. You can be close to God when you're at a cemetery. You can be close to God when you feel like everybody's left you, when you feel ashamed, when you feel guilty, when you feel isolated, when you feel... Uh, used or made fun of or kicked to the curb, no matter what circumstances of life you find yourself, you can know the goodness of God because you know that he is with you. And he has promised that he will never leave you and he will never, ever, 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 ever forsake you. So where do we find God's goodness? Well, we find God's goodness, first of all, in his presence with us. This next little section, though, adds on that. And he says, not only do we find God's goodness in his presence with us, but you, we find God's goodness in his strength. Look at, look at verse 5. He says, happy are the people whose strength is in you. Underline that word strength. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca, they will make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessing for they go from strength to strength. There it is again. And each appears before God in Zion. Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Now, this, this writer is thinking again about going to Jerusalem, right? That's on his mind. I got to get to Jerusalem. And he's saying, I, I want to be in God's presence. That's where I, I know his goodness. But he also was thinking about the journey to get there. And he's thinking about the times when they would gather the whole family and they would journey to Jerusalem. It's kind of the excitement that we would have if you're going on a family vacation, right? You're packing up all night and then you're packing the minivan and you get the kids in there and, and off you go and you can't wait to get to the beach or to the mountains or Disney or wherever you're going. You're, so, you're super excited about the journey to get to that place. And that's kind of what it was like then, this excitement to go to Jerusalem and to be in God's presence and at the temple. That was a big deal, except uh, they didn't watch movies along the way, right? They didn't play video games. They actually had to walk. How about that, right? They literally had to walk, and it was a arduous journey. It was a strenuous journey, especially if you lived way up in the north. That was a long walk, and then a steep ascent up. Uh, the last couple of miles are, are, are a very steep climb, and so it was an arduous journey. So they depended on the Lord's strength to get them there. 
They depended on the Lord's strength day by day. As you go through life, it's a lot like a journey. And we experience God's goodness when he gives us strength to get through whatever we're going through. You see, God will give you the strength to get through whatever you're going through. I recently saw a Netflix documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called 14 Peaks. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. But it, it documents a, a Nepali mountain climber who decided to climb the highest 14 peaks in the world. Now, that alone is a tremendous feat. I think uh, the last person to do that, they did it over the course of 16 years. But this particular mountain climber decided to do it in seven months, which everyone told him he was crazy. There was no way that he could ever climb the highest 14 peaks in the world in only seven months. It was a suicide mission. It would never happen. And so you follow this man's journey. And I mean, it's not just like storytelling. You're, you're seeing him climb these mountains. I don't know how they got this footage, but you are seeing him climb these mountains. And you're seeing him in, in, in situations that were unthinkable. I mean, death-defying uh, situations, times when he got in a whiteout and lost his way and, 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 and high altitudes without much oxygen. And over and over and over, you just see the grind of him refusing to not stop. He just kept moving forward. He kept churning forward one step after another after another. He just would not quit. And as I watched that, I was like, gosh, this guy is in such great shape. All right, number one. Uh, but I'm like, wow, the endurance of that. You know, life is a lot like that. Sometimes it takes all you've got to put your feet on the carpet and get up and face another day. Sometimes you may lay in bed when the alarm goes off and you say, I'm already exhausted and I haven't even gotten out of bed yet. And I don't know how I can make it through this day. But that's when God gives you the strength for that day to put one foot in front of the other. I know this because I've experienced it in my own family. My birthday is the day that my brother-in-law, my, my sister's husband, was killed in a terrible car accident many years ago. And so every time my birthday comes around, it's a stark reminder of that tragedy and that loss. She was a young mom, had two young kids. My sister is deaf. Uh, she didn't have a way to earn a living. She had no way to take care of herself. She had no way to provide for her family. Uh, she tumbled into deep depression, as you can imagine. It was a terrible situation. But as we look at it, that event now, some 26 years later, we can look back and we can see God's goodness. And we don't see it in just one event because God's goodness just didn't come in one event. It came step by step by step. One day 
after another one week, after another one month, after another one year, after another of trusting God's faithfulness so that ultimately we were able to walk out of that situation and look back on it and say that God gave us the strength to get through it. You know, that's exactly what this this writer is talking about. He mentions the Valley of Baca. You see that? The Valley of Baca. We don't know what the Valley of Baca is, by the way. We have no archaeological find that says this is the Valley of Baca. And so most commentators think that he's not talking about an actual valley, but he's talking about a, um, a season of life, a valley in life. The word Baca could mean tears. It could mean tears. Because it comes from, it's a noun form of a verb which means to cry. And so it could mean a valley of tears or valley of sorrow. Others say the word baka could be a derivative of the name of a shrub that takes place in uh, the wilderness in very dry, arid places. So it could be a valley of dryness or wilderness. I I don't care, take your pick. Uh, Whether it's tears or it's dryness, it's not a good place, right? It's a hard place, but have you been there? Have you been there? Yeah, we've been there. And he said, even in the valleys of our life, even in the hard seasons of our life, when God gives us strength to get through them, we look back and those dry places become a spring because we see how God nourished us and how God cared for us. And we almost look back at them and say, you know what? God was so good that he showed us really who he was in these hard seasons of life. I bet you I could put a mic right here and we could just have testimony time for the rest of the, of the day about how God's been faithful to you in the hard seasons of life. But I tell you what, let's just go ahead and do a little testimony time right now. Hands up if God has provided strength for you through a difficult season of life. Hold it up. Just hold them up. for Now look around for just a minute. I want you to see what I get to see. Every single one of these is a testimony to God's faithfulness. So how do you find God's goodness? We find God's goodness in his presence that he'll never leave you. You find God's goodness in the strength that he gives you for each day's problems. But you also find God's goodness in this last section, and that is the goodness of his grace. Look at verse 9. I love this. He said, consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is a person who trusts in you, Lord of armies." He's back to thinking about the temple again, right? And he goes, man, I just wish I was there. Man, better is is a day in your house than a thousand anywhere else. That's probably the most common verse of this psalm, right? You probably heard it before. In fact, you, you can take that verse and they've turned it into a worship song. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. And uh, we used to sing that back in the 90s pretty big, pretty much. You know, that's an old timer comment right there. I'm not going to sing it for you. That's okay. Don't worry. But he's like, man, I just, I just wish, you know, and then it's, you got that saying, of it's, it's our greeter's favorite verse, I'd rather be a doorman in the house of the Lord, right, than anything else. 
He's just thinking about the temple. And you're going, well, why is it that you want to get to God so bad? Why is it that you love being there? And he tells us, check this out, in verse 11, he said, because you are a sun and shield. God, you're a sun and a shield to me. Now think about that for just a minute. He said, God, God is a sun to you. S-U-N. He is a sun to you. And he is a shield around you. That he is a, a guide to you and he guards your life. That he lights uh, the way of your path and he leads you down the path of life. That he watches over you from morning to night. What a blessing. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, quote, a sun for happy days and a shield for dangerous ones. A sun above and a shield around. A light to show the way and a shield to ward off its perils. That's who God is to you. And this guiding and this guarding faithfulness of God is evidence of his grace in your life. In fact, look at the very next phrase. He says, the Lord grants favor and honor. Uh, many commentators translate this way. He grants grace and glory. Hands up if your version says grace and glory, all right? Yeah. He grants grace and glory. I really like that one uh, a little bit better. But he is a gracious father. You get that? That the, he is pouring grace out to you. And he gives you grace in his presence with you in the hard times. He gives you grace by giving you strength to put one foot in front of the other. And then at the end of your difficulty, at the end of your days, he gives you grace upon grace and favor upon favor and love upon love. That God is a God of grace. We see this all the way through the Bible. <clears throat> Joel said he is the God who is gracious and compassionate. Peter said he is the God of all grace. John said he is full of grace. Hebrews 10.9 says he, his spirit is the spirit of grace. And here's the good news. God never runs out of grace. He never looks at you and goes, you know what? I gave you a whole lot of grace yesterday. So we're going to have to cut it back today. All right? We're going to we're gonna have to ration this out. I can't just keep giving you grace upon grace every single day. He never does that. When you come to him and say, Lord, I just need your grace. I need your favor. He pours out grace upon grace in your life. Grace for each day's problems. Grace to satisfy every single need. That's why Jesus, when he came to the Apostle Paul, he said, my grace is enough for you. For my strength is made perfect when you're weak. My friends, we serve a gracious God who showers us with favor and grace when we need it. So how do we, how do we find God's goodness? How do we find God's goodness when we're not really in the place that we want to be? How do we find God's goodness in tragedies that happen? How do we find God's goodness when our hearts are shattered, we're shaken, we're bewildered by the things that happen around us. Well, we find God's goodness in his presence with us. We find God's goodness in his strength to put one foot in front of the other 
and we find God's goodness in his grace that covers us enough to satisfy every need in your life until you see him face to face. And one day we're going to see him, folks. One day we're going to see him. And the troubles of this life, we will lay down and we will worship him as the God who carried us through. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. This presence of God, this strength and grace of God comes to us through the person of Jesus. We access it through Jesus. And so if you're not experiencing God's grace, if you're not experiencing his, his strength and his provision for you, then maybe it's because you don't know Jesus personally. And that's where the gospel comes in because the gospel is the good news of the Bible. That when you and I were sin, when we sinned against God, when we were far from God because of our sin and our own waywardness, that Jesus came to us. He came to us in our failures, in our messes, in our waywardness, in our mistakes, that Christ pursued us. He was born in a manger, but he went to a cross. And on the cross, he died in your place to pay the penalty for your sin. The Bible says he, his blood satisfied the justice of God paying in full all of our sin and all of our rebellion and all of our failures. That he was buried and he rose again on the third day and he offers new life and grace and mercy and his presence and his spirit to any who will turn to him in saving faith. So let me ask you, do you know him? Do you know the goodness of God? Have you seen, have you experienced the goodness of God when you came to faith in Jesus? And if not, if you're unsure, then today is the day. While your heart is open, while the gospel is here, while you have opportunity, turn to Jesus. Place your faith in him today. You say, well, Craig, how do I do that? I don't even know how to do that. Well, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of faith right now. And if your head's bowed, nobody looking around. And, and if you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I, I want to receive God's forgiveness. I want to be right with God. I want to know Christ. Then I want you to just lift up your hand and I'll see it. You can put it back down. I'm not going to call you out. But I'll lead you just right where you're seated in a simple prayer to say yes to Jesus. So if you want to know Christ today, Right now, just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Just lift it up where I can see it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Lift it up high enough where I can see it. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? All right. Thank you. Anybody else? This is your opportunity. All right, you can put your hand down. Just pray with me right where you are. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. And so I confess my sin to you. And I ask you, please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please make me a new person. Lord Jesus, you are my hope. And I choose to follow you. Thank you for loving me 
and for forgiving me. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for your goodness, Lord, that we can truly sing of your goodness, Lord, because you are faithful. And Lord, no matter what seasons that we are in, Lord, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you give us the strength to get through whatever we're going through. Lord, thank you for your grace that sustains us. And Lord, we long to be with you. Just as a psalmist writes, I long to be in the temple, God. There's even in us right now, we long to be where you are. And Lord, we long for your coming. Lord, give us the grace we need this week to be lights in this world, to shine brightly the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.